0: All the blessings of Abraham are mine and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better and I will never be the same again. Amen. may be seated. And as you're being seated, if you would, turn in the Bible to the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Mark in chapter 6. And this morning we come back to, in this service, our Sunday morning series, Miracles of the New Testament. We've been walking through the New Testament, beginning with the Gospels, looking at the miracles of the New Testament, looking at the patterns and the principles, discovering how... We can apply those patterns, those principles to our lives so that we can live a blessed life, so that we can see our needs be met, and so that we can walk in the abundant life Jesus spoke of. Today, we come to a miracle of provision. And in all of our lives, too often, we have believed God for less than what he has promised. And so the challenge of faith is to lift up our eyes like God encouraged Abraham. The challenge of faith is to go to the Word of God to see where we have missed it or where we have not believed God for enough or where we have not believed God for more. The challenge of faith is to lift up our eyes and to believe God for more. And the reality is, you know, I have grew up in church you know, I, somebody might say, well, Austin, have you heard this criticism? Have you heard that criticism? I think I've heard just about any criticism I could ever hear. I, I don't think I'm gonna come across a new one at this point. But I've heard criticisms about talking about, preaching about, teaching about prosperity or the blessing of the Lord. And to that, I would say, well, have you been to the gas station recently? Have you been to the grocery store recently? Have you been to academy to buy new shoes or new clothes for your kids for summer? The reality is, because of the world we live in, because of what the government's doing, we all need more, and we all need more every day. And we could be discouraged, we could be negative, we could complain, or we go to the Word of God to see how from the Word of God we can walk in more, and we can walk in provision, and we can walk in abundance and we can walk in God's best for our lives. Tell your neighbor, say, believe God for more, not less. Tell your other neighbor, say, believe God for more, not less. On Sunday, April 23rd, we dealt with Jesus healing the two blind men. And there's an important truth in that passage in verse 29. So real quick, Matthew 9, beginning in verse 27. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When Jesus had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. And as we learned that Sunday, these men believed that he was able, and praise God for that. But we're we're born again. We've had time being in church, hearing the word of God. So we ought not just believe that God is able we ought to believe that our heavenly Father will. Praise God he's able, but even better, praise God that he will do what his word says. Amen. We have to believe that he will bring his word to pass in our lives and our every circumstance. Verse 28, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith will it be done unto you. And verse 30 says their sight was restored. Verse 29 is so important to one of my life verses. According to your faith will it be done unto you. Why don't we say that? Say according to my faith faith, will it be done done unto unto me. This is a powerful faith principle from the word of God. According to your faith will it be done unto you. And this principle Works and applies in every area of life, including in our finances. Someone might say, well, I'm just going to have a terrible week. Guess what kind of week they're going to have? A terrible week, because they, they are a magnet for what they're believing for. They're a magnet for what they are saying. Jesus said, according to your faith, will it be done unto you? Well, nothing good ever happens to me. According to your faith will it be done unto you. And a a few years ago we emphasized what Oral Roberts taught and that is expect a miracle. Expect good things. If you live in expectation of good things, good things are going to happen for you in your life. I rehearse all the time that one of the things I say and pray and believe God for is that we have supernatural divine favor in everything that we do. That people do things for us they don't do for anyone else. That people that would normally not like us or would normally despise us or hate us, whatever, that they they like us or do things for us and they they don't even know why. And you might say, Austin, that's crazy. Again, what did Jesus say? He said, according to your faith will it be done unto you. And this is also true in our finances. And so what we have to do is lift up our eyes and believe God for more. We have to go to the Word and renew our minds to what the Word says. Say it again. Say, according to my faith, faith, will it be done done unto unto me. So in our lives, we receive what we believe God for. And if that's the case, we ought to believe God for more, not less. Now, again, our comfort level is often what we grew up with. Our comfort level is often what we heard in church at some point in our lives, but that's why I'm challenging you. You have to go to the Word of God and check things out for yourself. You have to go to the Word of God and renew your mind to the Word of God and lift up your eyes and believe God for more. And this concept is all over the Bible. I'm gonna give you just three examples. Hebrews 6, verse 14. This is Hebrews, the New Testament saying, surely, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. That is the will of our Heavenly Father for our lives, saying, surely, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. Say, say my, Heavenly my Heavenly Father, wants to bless me. To bless say, my Heavenly Father, my Heavenly Father he, he wants to multiply me. Multiply. Say, my Heavenly, my Heavenly Father, wants me to have More than enough. James 4 and verse 2 says, you have not because you ask not. And see, it often makes us feel better when we say, well, I have not because of this or because of that or because of so-and-so or so-and-so did this and -and so-and-so did me wrong or if I had had a better situation or if I had had better parents or whatever it is. But the New Testament tells us we have not because we ask not. So again, we have to go to the Word and renew our minds to the Word of God and lift up our eyes and ask who? Who do we ask? You know, you might say, well, I could have had better parents. Okay. But now that you're born again, now that you're part of the family of God, you have a new father, an additional father, a better father, the the greatest father in the entire universe. So who do we ask? You know, my my father told me that his father was a half-owner of a Ford dealer when they lived in Cincinnati, and they, they had an agreement that if my father saw a car he wanted that his, his dad would pitch in, I believe, half. And there, there was just a beautiful Mustang they had, and it had been the, the other owner's car, but there, few, very few miles, I believe it was a Mach 2, beautiful, beautiful car. My father didn't just quite have half, and he asked his father, Dad, will you cover the difference? No. So maybe, maybe you grew up with a situation like that. That's not who our Heavenly Father is. He is wonderful. He he is good. He he delights in answering us. He delights in providing for us. He, He delights in giving us the desires of our hearts. Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 20, the Apostle Paul wrote, Now to him who is able to do, how much more? Immeasurably more. How much more? Immeasurably more. So you might say, "Man, man I, I've, I've been in the Word, and I'm I believing God, and I, I've renewed my mind, and you know, I, I'm stretching my faith, and I, I'm lifting up my eyes, and I'm believing God for this." You think you're really far out there? Well, our heavenly Father wants to do immeasurably more than all we can ask, think, or imagine. According to whose power? According to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. But you have to give up wrong mentalities. And sometimes these have religion involved, sometimes they don't. You have to give up a cheap mentality, you have to give up a stingy mentality, you have to give up a selfish mentality. You know, if a man's got something wrong with him, he'll, he'll make sure he gets the best possible care. But if something's wrong with the wife or a kid, sometimes a man will say, well, you know, is there a place we get that done cheaper? You got to give up all those unrighteous attitudes. If There's a religious mentality that says, well, if it's this brand, it's all right. You're not going to lose your salvation. But if you get something just a little bit nicer, you're going to end up in hell. That, that is a religious mentality. It's a governor. It's a, a limiter on your life and your faith and what you're believing God for. And it hinders our Heavenly Father from blessing us the way He wants to. Pastor dealt with another one at 9 a.m., and that is, People being ashamed of the blessings of God and and hiding the blessings of God. We we ought not be ashamed of our Heavenly Father. We ought not be ashamed of being His children and the people of God in these dark days. And we ought not be ashamed of His blessings. We ought not be ashamed of His provision. But sometimes, because of pressure from the world or pressure from culture, we'll hide the blessings of God. But to walk in His best, you can't be ashamed. And he can't hide his blessings. To receive more, we have to qualify. And how do we qualify? Jesus taught in John 15, verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Who wills? What we will. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Say say, say, say what I will. And again, we're we're gathered here on Sunday morning, on a holiday weekend. So so I would say most of us, what we desire is good and godly and righteous. He he wants to give it to us. He wants to bless us. He wants to provide and to provide wonderfully for us. After the first service, a young man is in college now. He walked up and told me that he, he was so excited he's about to get his first car on his own. He has a car that his parents helped him with, but he's older now, and it's gonna be his first major purchase on his own. And so he was so happy, and he was telling me about it and what it is and the color, and then he told me it's a, it's a special performance model, so it's the nice one. And I, I just smiled and told him, we're happy for him, it's wonderful. When you bring it to church, I wanna see it. You know, that, that, our Heavenly Father he is good. He is wonderful, and he wants us to have our needs met. He wants us to have plenty. He wants us to have more than enough. As Jesus taught in John 15, verse 7, he wants us to have what we will and what we desire. But we have to meditate on the Word of God. We have to renew our minds to the Word of God. We've got to know what the Word says and become convinced that what God says in his Word, it is ours. It belongs to us. Romans 12 and verse two says, "Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? It's evil. It's wickedness. It changes every single day. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See when you were born again, whether you gave your heart to Jesus in children's church, or whether you recently prayed and confessed with your mouth, and believed in your heart, when you are born again, the real you was born again. But you didn't get a new physical body. You know, it'd be awesome if, you know, especially for those of us that are older, and our metabolisms have slowed down, if when we were born again, or prayed the prayer of recommitment, if we received a new physical body, that's coming. That's not now. You know, or if you'd had no hair, or if you suddenly had hair, or Maybe you didn't get the perfect score on the SAT when you're born again. You know, God God boosted your IQ, 100 points. That'd be great. What's born again is the real you on the inside. But your mind is not born again. And that's why you have to renew your mind to the Word of God. And that's why if you grew up with certain prejudices or certain beliefs that are wrong according to the Word of God, you got to get into the Word of God. And renew your mind to the word of God. And get those things out of your life. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, and say it this way, then and only then. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So in these days, you know, we could complain about what things cost. But things cost what they cost. And again... I'm all for good stewardship. I'm all for getting a good deal. we're 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 almost there. To where we will not have a child in diapers anymore. Praise the Lord for it. I keep telling Emily, the sooner you get there, more toys and donuts and blessings for you. <laughs> Jessica came home this week and she had the great big giant-sized boxes of diapers. But she was explaining she got a deal. You know, two for one or whatever. There's there's nothing wrong with any of that. But with inflation and all the government, with all that they're doing, there's no amount of coupons that'll get us there. You know, people are funny. When gas goes up, they'll they'll drive halfway across town to to save five cents, not realizing that they use more gas. They they did not come out ahead. So you got to give up wrong mentalities and believe God and walk by faith in the days in which we're living. And renew your mind to what the word of God says about provision and prosperity. So today in Mark chapter six, we come to a miracle of provision, the feeding of the 5,000. And it's one of the few miracles mentioned in all four gospels. And we see first, number one, that our heavenly father is a God of compassion. Mark six, beginning in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. There's a time to work, but then there's also a time to rest. As pastor said at 9 a.m., you have to take time and recharge. So they went by themselves to a solitary place to rest. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. You know, in these miracles, we, we've seen how when people would be healed, the religious leaders would be upset about it. They, the people did not have good leadership. They did not have Good shepherds. But here was a good shepherd. So when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. We've we've dealt with how when Jesus experienced a lack of honor and a lack of faith in his own hometown and was unable to do any mighty miracles there except heal a few sick people, the gospels tell us that after that he went around Teaching. You know, what, what's the answer for unbelief or not enough faith or areas in which we have not renewed our minds enough? And the answer is the teaching of the word of God. So he, taught, he had compassion on them and he taught them. Matthew 14, verse 14 tells us when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. So praise God, our, our wonderful heavenly father, He is a God of compassion. He's good. He is wonderful. Number two, Jesus taught the people because he loved them. We live in a generation that has many worldly ideas about helping people. But the best way to help people is to teach them how they can take action for themselves. The best way to help people is to teach them from the word of God how they can live a blessed life. How they can live a victorious life. You know, we've seen over the last few decades how the U.S. government has ruined countless lives, has destroyed the middle class, and destroyed the family by doing for people what they ought to do for themselves. And when you do for someone what they ought to do for themselves, you destroy their character. And the same is true with children. When you do for children what they should do for themselves, you destroy Their character. And we tell our kids, you need to pick up your rooms, you need to clean, you need to organize. No, I'm not doing it for you. First, there's five. There's no way I'm doing that. Show show some initiative. But when you do for others what they ought to do for themselves, you destroy their character. And so if we truly love people, we're going to teach them. If we truly love people, we're going to disciple them. And so Jesus landed, he saw the large crowd of people like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. Mark 6:34 says he began teaching them. And, and to see an example of this, go to Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, or go to Luke's Gospel, the Sermon on the Plain. He loved the people, and he had compassion on the people. And so he taught them what to do, how to live life, how to live life God's way. When we ask the Lord to do this or that, he'll often say, you do something about it. And that's because our Heavenly Father expects us to rise up and to take our place in Christ. And a wonderful book, we have it in the cafe, it'll help you understand that is E.W. Kenyon's In His Presence. So we do what Jesus did. We help people by teaching them what they can and should do for themselves and how they can live their lives according to the word of God to live a blessed life, to live a victorious life, to do things God's way. He had compassion on them. He loved them. And so he taught them. There was a large crowd and they were hungry. He loved them. He had compassion on them. Recently received a prayer request. A man living local wrote that he's in his 60s. His wife just told him that she's leaving. And his email was heartbreaking. And so I told him, I said, come. And come Friday or Saturday morning when we have prayer, come sit in on any of the groups. There are men in those groups from all stages of life, some, many that have hit rock bottom, many that God's done wonderful things. Come, we'll we'll, we'll love you, we'll we'll teach you. That's the answer. So Jesus, he saw the crowd of people like sheep without a shepherd. He loved them, he had compassion on them, and he taught them. And then we find out they were hungry a large group of people. Somebody's going to be hungry. They had been there a while. They were hungry. The disciples brought this problem to Jesus. And in verse 37 he said, you give them something to eat. Lord here's the problem. He told them you do something about it. Mark 6 verse 35 by this time it was late in the day so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place they said and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. It's like the Lord telling us, you do something about it. And many times we want the Lord to do this or that so we don't have to do anything. And he said, you give them something to eat. You do something about it. They said that would take eight months of a man's wages. It was a large crowd, 5,000 men plus women and children. And whatever it costs, then, this had been a group of Americans in 2023, it would have cost a whole lot more. They said that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? And he told them, you give them something to eat. Matthew 14, verse 16 records Jesus saying, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. The disciples said, That would take eight months of a man's wages are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat. The Lord knows what it costs. Tell your neighbor, say, the Lord knows what it costs. Tell your other neighbor, say, the Lord knows what it costs. And again, this is why we have to renew our minds to the word of God. Sometimes there'll be a story in the news about a child not being taken care of or not being well-fed or clothed, and those stories are so heartbreaking and so tragic. Our Heavenly Father is good, and he loves us. I remember being a young man, elementary school, then junior high, and meetings with my parents and hearing Kenneth Hagin Sr. preach, and he would talk about Isaiah 119 for willing and obedient will eat the best of the land. He would say that if it's God's will that we eat the best of the land, it must be the Lord's will that we drive the best of the land and wear the best of the land. But let's just talk about eating the best of the land. To eat the best of the land costs more than to eat the cheap of the land. To eat what is good for you and organic and natural and doesn't have a million chemicals or a list of 55 things on the back of the packaging, that costs more than eating junk food. And again, maybe you grew up in a situation where you were not well taken care of. Well, we're not talking about that. We're talking about our wonderful heavenly father. And he wants us to eat what? He wants us to eat the best. And he wants us to have the best. He wants us to live in the best. You might say, well, what does that cost? He's the ancient of days. He knows what it costs. They said, are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Now, notice they didn't say, well, Lord, we don't have it. They said, are we to go and spend that much? So they had the money. They had the money. Tell your neighbor, say, they had the money. money. Tell your other neighbor, say, they had the money. money. you got to give up all the religious ideas you heard that Jesus and the 12 disciples went around with signs. Please, won't you give us a cup of water? Please, won't you give us a meal? See, religion and religious attitudes would have you believe that Jesus and the 12 were so poor that they couldn't afford to eat at Taco Casa after church today. That's what religion would have you believe. But if you'll read the Gospels and renew your mind to the Word of God and look and pay attention to the details, you'll see that that is not the case. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat. They had the money. Eight months of a man's wages plus more in the bag. And we know that they had a thief or a treasurer. His name was Judas. The disciples were all first century Jewish men. They would have been married. They would have had children. The Bible tells us that Peter had a mother-in-law. So Jesus had 12 full-time associates, 12 men in the first century, who traveled with him. Those 12 men had 12 families counting on the Lord. They constantly traveled. So there were travel expenses. Plus they had, a, they had a thief who was the treasurer. That's a lot of expense. And there's some waste there too. And with all that going on, they had the money. You give them something to eat. Lord, are we to go and spend that Much. And notice there's another religious attitude there, trying to do things on the cheap. Might as well deal with it. It's a holiday weekend. We're about to hit June 1st, so let's go. Maybe eight months or so, a man in the church told me that he had planned a vacation getaway with his family here local. They, They had gone to stay in what was supposed to be a nice place, but when they got there and saw the what was going on in the foyer and the lobby and then went out to the big resort pool and saw what was going on. man and his wife said, man, there's something really weird going on here at this hotel. And it wasn't even June. And so they they found out from the reception area that the, the men's gay volleyball team or whatever was doing a getaway there at the hotel. And so that man and his wife made the decision that they were leaving. No refund or not. Now let's go ahead and deal with another mentality. And that is, well, we paid for it, so we're going to sit here and I'm going to subject the children to this and we're just going to endure it because I paid for it. See, that's another wrong religious mentality. Our Heavenly Father, there's a loss he will more than make it up to us. Better to not get a refund and not expose little eyes to all that and to believe God to make it up to you. And that's what that man and that family did. And he rehearsed that story to me and I, I was so proud of him. Because sad to say, I think a lot of people would have just hidden in their room or subjected the family to it because the attitude is, well, we, we paid for it, and by God, we're going to enjoy it. It's a mentality. People go to all-you-can-eat buffet. Well, I paid the $6, so I'm going to go back four more times. Are you fool? You don't have to. So part of walking in the blessing of God is giving up wrong attitudes, wrong mentalities. And they could be things we grew up with. It could be religious prejudices and attitudes. They had the money. The disciples said to Jesus, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Number three, the Lord works with what we have, not with what we don't have. And we've seen this principle repeatedly in this series. Our Heavenly Father rewards good stewardship. Do you want more? You have to be a good steward with what you have now. Do you want more? You have to honor God and tithe with what you have now. Do you want more? You have to save and invest with what you have now. Do you want more? You have to be generous and be a blessing with what you have now. You have to use what you have now. You have to be a good steward with what you have now. Mark 6:38. how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said five. So five loaves, and two fish. Not enough for 5,000 men plus women and children. In John's gospel, we learn that these five loaves and two fish belong to a young boy. You know, so there were those that came, they were excited to see Jesus and hear Jesus, but they had forgotten their lunch. And I'm sure perhaps he had a good mom and she made sure he had a good lunch, but there was a little boy who had a lunch, five loaves and two fish. Now think about this. Here were grown men, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, grown men who could not pass the test of faith, who could not give so that they might receive, and yet here was a boy who put his lunch in the hands of Jesus. Too many focus on what they don't have, and so they don't give out of what they do have. You got to focus on what you do have. And you might say, well, Austin, I I want this, I want that, I'm believing God for this, I'm believing God for that. A part of faith, a key of faith, is being thankful and grateful right where you are. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that godliness with contentment is great gain. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4 that he had learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I think back to previous Mays and June when I was a child, I was a little guy and my parents would take us on vacation. It was all wonderful and the memories are all wonderful and what my father does for us and for our children now is so much more wonderful. Our children have no idea, his grandchildren have no idea how blessed they are, but I'm thankful for all of it, Amen. amen. A part of faith is being grateful and being content and being thankful every step of the way. And the apostle Paul wrote in prison, he said, I have learned the secret of being content in all things, whether well-fed or hungry. Be grateful, be content, be thankful. Focus on what you do have and give out of what you do have. And Jesus will multiply it back into your hands. We've learned that whatever we give, the Lord makes it back up to us. We've learned that whatever we give, the harvest comes in. And sometimes it comes in in the most unusual ways. This past week, I got a check in the mail for a car I haven't owned in more than 20 years because the manufacturer did something they shouldn't have, and there was an issue with that that went to court. And so I, I got a check in the mail for a car I haven't had in more than 20 years. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'll accept it, and I will noble deposit it. Amen. (laughs) So when we give, we receive. And think about it. The Lord was not asking Peter, James, and John to go spend their personal money on feeding that crowd. He was asking them to use money that had been given to the ministry. So it wasn't even technically the disciples' money. And yet they still could not get their minds around being generous with money that had been donated to the ministry of Jesus. Number four, God multiplies what we give. Verse 39, Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking up the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. This is why when we go out to eat with our families, You know, the other day I went to eat with my parents and God bless this generation. You know, went to a place that we go frequently and, you know, checked in, told the people at the front how many of us. And, you know, there there was a young man that was dressed up like a girl. God bless this generation. There's something really wrong in America and American culture that young men want to be women. We went to the table. So I understand we got all this going on culturally. So you could be at a nice place, could have an odd waiter, might might feel conspicuous praying praying over for your food. Don't feel conspicuous. We're the least weird thing going on in 2023. He looked up to heaven. He gave thanks. And in our lives, we need to remember that the Lord is our source. How's the money going to come in? The Lord is our source. How are we gonna be able to afford this or that or how are we gonna be able to afford all new clothes or whatever it is, the Lord is our source. And so Jesus looked up to heaven to his father and he gave thanks. He gave thanks, he gave thanks, he gave thanks. Godliness with contentment, an attitude of gratitude. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and they were. See, religion or maybe an unsaved seminary professor would have you believe that Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, or maybe it was a, a great big giant sandwich from Subway, and then they cut it up into itty, little, itty bitty little pieces. But the Bible says, and not just in one gospel, the Bible says in various gospels, they all ate and they were satisfied and I know that this weekend is about the sacrifice of men and women who laid down their lives for our freedoms but I'm sure plenty of us will be grilling or barbecuing tomorrow and I'm sure plenty of us are going to eat and be satisfied they all ate and they were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish you know typically we don't get to go food I don't like the smell of it in my car I think that car I just got a check on probably still has the smell of Wingstop in the trunk from when I was in my 20s. (laughs) Go to a restaurant, you like this to go, they'll give you a little itty-bitty box. That's not what we're talking about. A basket that they would have had in those days would have been a great big basket. There were 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish, 12 basketfuls left over. And the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. 5,000 men plus women plus children. And no, it's not like our society and culture today. The number of children would have been astronomical. 5,000 men with women and children. And they all ate, verse 42, they all ate and they were satisfied. Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. Our Heavenly Father wants us to eat and to be satisfied. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four Gospels record that there were 12 basketfuls left over. Matthew and Luke both confirm that they all, they all, each and every one, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, they all ate and they were satisfied. John tells us that they all ate as much as they wanted. So picture that. They all ate and they were satisfied. And I'm sure there was a little boy here and a little girl there and that they went back for seconds or thirds. They all ate as much as they wanted and there were 12 basketfuls left over. Our Heavenly Father does not want us to be in need or in lack. Too many believers think that they, they prove their holiness by being in need or they prove their piety by their poverty. That's nonsense. Our Heavenly Father is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord God, our provider. He is El Shaddai, the almighty God, the all-sufficient God, the God of more than enough. They all ate and they were satisfied. John tells us they all ate as much as they wanted. So Jesus made sure the people received as much as they wanted of both the bread and the fish. We began this morning in Matthew 9 where Jesus said, according to your faith, will it be done unto you? Why don't we say that? Say, according to my faith. According to my faith. faith, Will it be be done unto me? If there's not enough, it's not because it's the will of God that you are in need or in lack or not have enough. God's will for all of our lives is plenty. His will for all of our lives is more than enough. So what we have to do is renew our minds to the word of God. What we have to do is to begin to believe him and to believe him for more. And the truth is, so often we're unthankful and ungrateful because we're focused on what we don't have. Instead, we have to take what we do have, be thankful and grateful for what we do have and realize and see from the word of God that like that little boy, that if we'll put what we do have in the hands of Jesus... He'll multiply it, and it will become more than enough. Please bow your heads. You might be here today, and you've heard me describe God as wonderful, God as good, and you might say, I've never heard about him like that. Father God is wonderful, and he is good, and he loves you, and that's why he gave his son Jesus, and Jesus gave his life for you, so that you could be a part of the family of God. He did all that he did for you because he loves you. And to receive that, to become a part of the family of God, requires that you, in turn, give your life to God. If you're here today and say, Austin, I've never done that, but I want to. I want to be a part of the family of God. I want to have God as my father. I want to be a part of this wonderful family you've preached about. That's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise it to where I'll see it. Oh no, you want me to pray, say Austin, pray with me. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. I want to be a part of the family of God. Raise your hand to where I'll see it. You might also be here today in a time in your life, you prayed a prayer, you walked it out, but you know in your heart, you've not been living for the Lord. You've been doing your own thing and maybe something happened, maybe you got bitter, upset at God. Maybe you got reconnected to people from the past and drifted away. Maybe you heard something wrong about God and blamed things on God and didn't realize how wonderful he is, how loving he is. Whatever the reason, the Bible says the mercies of God are new every morning. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness you're here today and say Austin that's me I want to pray I want to recommit my life that's you raise your hand to where I'll see it I'll know you want me to pray with you. you might be watching or listening online say Austin that's for me pray with me repeat this simple prayer Heavenly Father I come to you in the name of Jesus I repent of my sins and I ask Jesus to be my Lord and to be my Savior thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for a new beginning and a fresh start. Thank you for leading me, guiding me, and directing me to green pastures and still waters. If you prayed that prayer, we want to be a blessing to you. You can go to the address on the screen. There's a short form to fill out. We'll send you a Bible. We'll also send you a short book by my father called God's Very Own Child. It'll help you get started in living the Christian life. We wanna be a blessing to you. Just two weeks ago, had a voicemail here at the church. A man in Virginia, somehow, some way, came across services online. Somehow, someway, was watching. And one of those messages, he prayed at the end and gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he was calling and leaving a voicemail, expressing gratitude. And, and asking for recommendations for a similar church in his area in Virginia, the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Now, I, I didn't deal with in the message that there are times and there are stages to life, and that's why the Apostle Paul spoke about godliness, the godliness of contentment. You know, I remember when Sophie, our oldest, it, it was time for her to be here at St. Paul's, and. I had to adjust to that and get my mind around that. Jessica and I, we get the same discount every other, whether a school employee or church employee gets. There's no favoritism here. And so I had to adjust to that. Well, now with five, we're, we're at a different season and a time of life. At every step along the way, at every level of blessing, you gotta be grateful, you gotta be thankful. And we may be believing God for this or that, or we may want or desire this or that, and there's nothing wrong with that. One of my favorite verses, Psalm 37:4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give unto you the desires of your heart. But we don't have to have everything today. I so said, we don't have to have everything today. We don't have to have everything right now. And one of the lessons I've learned in the past year is that as things cost more and more, I can't do everything in my own strength. You know, if you go sign your name for everything, you're going to get in trouble. So as things cost more, I've learned, I just have to look to my heavenly Father and believe Him. You know, and doing things in your own strength, that's one thing. But the Lord blessing you, and the Lord providing, and you taking what you do have and putting that in the hands of Jesus, then when you're not even expecting it, this or that desire, this or that blessing show up, it's wonderful. Amen. And I've learned with the Lord, there aren't 60 payments, there aren't 72 payments, amen. So look to the Lord and believe him for more, amen. Amen. I hope the message today was a blessing and encouragement to you.